Welcome to the Work Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hey there, my friend, and how are you doing today? I am feeling giddy. I'm feeling blessed grateful. So excited to be here. I freaking love my job. I don't even know if I can call it a job. Anyways, I'm just really blessed to share, always to share with you. But this time, I'm really excited to share with you the five shifts. Yep. This is what I have discovered. People need to do differently. It's counterintuitive. That's why I call them shifts. Because it feels like what? I was supposed to be doing that. If you want to have a successful career, but also be a successful human being while doing it and have a life and time for yourself and good health, you got to make some shifts. And for most people, it involves making five. Maybe you're a lucky one who's already figured out one or two of them. We'll see. But if you are a professional working in corporate America. So a female executive manager or professional and male too. It's just if you're a female executive manager professional, there's going to be a little bit more information for you at the end of this. So if that is you and you feel overwhelmed, underpaid, stuck in your current role, or maybe you've been trying to get ahead for years, or you might even have the job you want, but it's not going well. Because your confidence and your overall well-being is tanking. So if that's you, stay here. And listen, and if it's not you, go for a walk. Take whatever time you'd planned to work on this and go do something fun for yourself. But here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how to become viewed as the go-to person who's the obvious candidate for promotion or pay raise. You're like the no-brainer choice. And sometimes we think we're the no-brainer choice. I just got off the phone with a woman who has been doing the job for years. But instead, they gave it to somebody else who has no clue how to do this job from a completely different part of the organization. She thought it was a no-brainer. I'm doing the job uh, ever since the other guy left, and um, I'm really good at it, but She was missing something. She was not considered the go-to person. So also, you're going to learn how to ask for and get the resources you want. Oftentimes, that's more people. Sometimes it's more money to hire uh, contractors or uh, vendors. You're going to learn how to work fewer hours and get more done. And how to have the success you want without getting more time-sucking credentials, especially master's degrees. Again, I'm not knocking master's degrees. I have a master's degree. I just happened to get, get mine because I loved it. I got a weird degree in liberal arts because I loved it. Maybe you do need a master's degree, but I want you to do it because you know it's the exact missing piece. All right? from For most everybody else, they're getting it for the wrong reasons, okay? Uh, last one. Going to teach you how to achieve towering true confidence, not the fake kind, 
but true confidence no matter what happened in your past or what is happening now. And no, it does not involve therapy. If you want to go to therapy, that's fine. But I'm going to teach you how to achieve real confidence no matter what. So if you are somebody who has ever worried, and maybe you haven't said it out loud, but you have worried that you will never have the success or the happiness and fulfillment you want, then please stay with me. Because the real problem isn't, the real problem (laughs) is this. I was going to say it isn't, but it isn't a lot of things that you think it is. The real problem isn't that you lack confidence or credentials. It's that you haven't made these shifts. So I'm going to tell you what they are, but know this. When you make these shifts, you're going to wake up different. You're going to wake up well-rested and excited and confident about the day. Truly. You're going to walk into a meeting or a Zoom with ease. You're going to speak up with confidence, even if you haven't really prepared that much. And you're going to be able to ask for and get what you want. When you make these shifts, you will know how to easily build a great reputation. How to teach people how to treat you. You're going to lose even the desire to overprepare for meetings. No more scripting. You won't want to. You'll realize it's not helping. And when you make these shifts, what often happens is your friends and family want to know what the heck are you smoking? What's going on? So a little bit of context. How did I figure this out? Well, I'm recording this in 2021. And in 2020, we all know what happened in March of 2020. And it became pretty clear to me that I needed to decide what I wanted to do as a business professional. And I started asking myself some questions. And one of them was, what did I most love doing? Who did I most love helping? And what transformation got me the most excited? So I'm an, ex- I'm an executive coach, so I get to help people with all sorts of different things. So when I started taking inventory, who do I love to help and what transformation do I love helping them get? And notice I say transformation. I, I don't like being somebody's crutch. That does not feel good for me. I don't feel like I'm doing them a favor. I mean, of course, I love listening. I love asking great questions. I love, love helping people get clear. But if you aren't different after talking with me, after being around me, um, at least in the capacity of business, then I have failed you. That's how I look at things. It's not enough that you like me or that you felt supported. That's all great. But I want you to be different. I want you to be better. So my favorite transformation is when I help amazing people stop self-sabotaging and become their most joyful, badass selves who also get paid more and promoted more if that's what they want. Some people are already at the top of their career, but they are miserable and they are sabotaging their lives. I want to help people stop getting in their own way so they stop wasting their potential. And I want to help them stop wasting time and money 
on training they don't need. Sounds good, huh? Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the first shift. It is to operate from authenticity and strengths. This is all about how do you show up as the best version of you and not try to be anybody else. Not try and patch over your weaknesses or focus on your weaknesses. So let me just tell you, I started out very weird in corporate America. So I had a French degree. And luckily, I interviewed at Oracle Corporation, where they think it's really cool, or at least they did then in the early 90s, they thought it was really cool to hire people who had great GPAs, but no relevant skills. Just the weirder the degree, the better. I remember once somebody was bragging about having a ballerina doing, I don't know what, maybe coding. I don't know what it was, but they were bragging about having me, a French major who does not have a brain for math. They had me doing um, budget forecasting. That was interesting. I don't, I, I don't recommend that. And it wasn't that I ever lied about who I was. It just, that's what the culture was. Like, you'll figure it out. And I thought, yeah, I'll figure it out. So it was years because I kept having different jobs there at Oracle. And it was years before I ever felt like an expert in one field. I was always the new kid in a field. And yet I did well. I was respected. I was good at my jobs and I kept getting promoted. And I never pretended to be anything I wasn't. I knew who I was and I respected my strengths. And I used my strengths every day. So let me give you an example of some of my strengths that I love to use. So I see patterns quickly and I'm able to connect dots, often with stories, with metaphors. I love solving problems and I love asking great questions. I'm a pretty good communicator. I build trust and rapport quickly. I just love connecting with other human beings. And I have tremendous compassion and empathy for other people. And I have a sense of humor and a bit of an edge that makes work fun. If you don't like swearing curse words, um, you're probably not going to think I'm that fun. But um, yeah, so those are some of my strengths that I love and I love using. And turns out those really help me in a lot of different kinds of jobs. So maybe you want to pause here and just take an inventory. What is it? about you that you love doing? What do you just naturally bring? Maybe you could think about a job that you really excelled in, that you loved, that you thrived in. And what was it? What was it? Notice I didn't even share with you any subject matter. I didn't say I have expertise in blank. I mean, I didn't feel like an expert in anything until, man, years after I uh, learned coaching and leadership development and all that, I... Um, I gained a lot of skills and strengths and I finally felt like I could call myself an expert. But in the meantime, I was helping a lot of people and I was making a difference. So I had this genuine confidence that I would figure things out. And what a lot of people don't get is that humans are emotional beings that think, not thinking 
beings who have emotions. So everything we do, we do because of an emotion, and then we back it up with logic. This has been proven. Someone won the Nobel in economics for this. So I see way too often people trying to focus on and build on their weaknesses. And it's a waste of time, unless your weakness is a complete derailer. So let's just say you are a total jerk and rude to people. Okay, that is a weakness that you need to work on. That's just never going to work for you. But let's say you're like me and you're not very detail-oriented. That's just not your strength. Well, you're going to make sure you have spell check on at all times. And if it's something really important, you might pass it by to somebody else to review. All right? Easy peasy. You don't need to all of a sudden, you know, invest in programs to help you be more detail-oriented. And you certainly don't need to be all apologetic about it and draw people's attention to it. All right? We all have weaknesses. So unless it's a derailer, put all of your passion and attention on building up your strengths. Okay, the second one, the second shift. Oh, freaking love this one. Tap into curiosity. So for those of you who have the misfortune of actually being an expert, <laughs> And I say misfortune because when you are an expert, it's hard to be curious. You already know everything. Now you're the person in the room that has all the answers. Well, very little is going to get creatively solved if you have all the answers. And most people, most executives, don't really need an expert. They need somebody who's curious and can help them think. Why do you think executives have coaches for life? They depend on that coach to help them think differently. So I'm not saying that you can't add value with your expertise, but know that this is not the thing that is most valuable to other people. And when you think that you have to be an expert in every situation, you are going to self-sabotage. And these are the most common ways I see over and over and over. First of all, I see people trying to read the minds of the executive they're going to be talking to. What does this person want? What does a person need from me? Now, it's great to get curious about the other person, but when you try and anticipate every single question they're going to ask you, you are going to stress out and you're not going to get all the questions. You are going to overscript what you want to say so you sound perfect, so you don't miss a note. Nobody wants to hear your script. Really, nobody wants to hear your script. Have you ever had somebody try and give a presentation from a script? Oh my God. I just want to leave the room, crawl under the table at a minimum. You're going to over PowerPoint. <laughs> you're going to put too much information on a PowerPoint. You're going to have too many slides of the PowerPoint. Um, I say get rid of the PowerPoint, have a handout, and at the top just have questions you want to ask yourself and questions you want to ask the other person. So... When you notice that you are going into expert mode and thinking you have to have all the answers, you need to shift into curiosity. What is it that this person most needs from me? Hmm? What questions do I want to ask? And ask great questions that actually open up somebody's creative thinking and help a person think differently. Not closed into questions like, do you think we should do X? Or even leading questions like, have you tried X? No, a better question is, what have you tried? 
instead of trying to predict everything this person wants to know, you could just say, on, of the list, which is the most important to you? Where should we start? How should we prioritize? Notice how simple that is? <laughs> no mind reading required. So when you do this, you will stand apart. And when you think you have to be the expert and you're not the expert, like say, for example, hmm, you go from this very common situation where you are an expert in one field, but you decided, hey, I want to grow. I want to apply for a new job. So you apply for a new job and all of a sudden you go from being an expert to I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And if you're like most people, that doesn't feel good. That is very unsettling because your identity and your comfort zone is one of being an expert. So if you do get this under control, you will stand apart from everybody else and be the go-to person because you are the most valuable person in the room to that executive. You have curiosity. You see things in a new way and you help them see things in a new way. If you don't overcome this and you try and pretend you're the expert when you're really not, you try and over-prepare like you're, um, so you could feel like you felt when you were the expert, you're going to be so full of stress that like one of my former clients, you might have a panic attack in a meeting because your brain gets overwhelmed by cortisol. Your sympathetic nervous system uh, goes into fight flight. You have an amygdala hijack, which is it cuts the connection between your amygdala and your prefrontal cortex. And you can't think. You lose your train of thought. You lose your ability to speak. If this has ever happened to you, it's just because you were under too much stress. All right, so let's talk about shift number three. It's just really simple. Use the belief upgrade system. Yep. Those old beliefs, those beliefs that you're not good enough, those beliefs that you have to be an expert, pick a belief. Pick a belief that's harmful to you, that hurts when you think it, that you're not good enough. I mean, that's what it boils down to, right? I'm not enough. That is the most toxic belief. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Just a little aside, people talk about the difference between imposter syndrome and everything else. Well, imposter syndrome to me is not nearly as common as the more pervasive syndrome, which I don't know if it's been named yet, but I just call it not enoughness. With imposter syndrome, it means you've already achieved a great deal. You're in a position of importance and people give you lots of praise and accolades, but you don't feel like you deserve it. That's imposter syndrome. Most of us are just working up to imposter syndrome. <laughs> so you think that, well, if I just get a promotion, then I'll feel more confident. But meanwhile, you get that promotion and now you really feel like an imposter. Like, I don't deserve this promotion. So why don't you address it early? This not enoughness. We all have it to some degree because our brains are wired to keep us small. Our brains are wired to compare to other people and say, hey, maybe I should do that. Why does she have that and I don't have that? She's so good at that. Why aren't I? Our brains keep us small to keep us safe. And many of us were told something when we're small about not being enough. For me, my parents told me I could be whatever I wanted. So it was me in my head that told me I wasn't enough. So before the belief upgrade system, which I'll describe in a little bit, the old way of trying to overcome this not enoughness was one, I already mentioned, get a promotion. Maybe if I just have a big enough title, I'll finally feel like I'm enough. 
Or maybe I'll just devour books and I'll journal and I'll just work harder and harder and harder and I'll prove that I'm enough. I'll say yes and I'll take on more projects and I'll check email at three in the morning. And maybe I'll go to therapy. Maybe then I'll feel like I have enough, that I am enough. But you're still the same person. You still have the same identity. And here's the thing about identity. The universal truth is that our actions have to align with our identities. So if you have an identity that says you're not good enough, your actions are going to be one of a person who doesn't think they're good enough. That's why you work harder. Not because you love work. It's because you're trying to prove that you're not good enough. So we have to find the story, the core story that is causing all this pain. There's lots of little stories too, and we'll upgrade those too. But the belief upgrade system helps us change from the inside out. And unless you change from the inside out, all those books and podcasts you're listening to and all that journaling you're doing will only reinforce who you think you are. When we change from the inside, now the learning has a place to land. We are a different person. And if you've listened to my podcast about the STEER model, you know that that model helps you take any situation and get to the thought, get to the belief that is causing you the pain, that's causing you to act in a way that creates results you don't want. And you can use that for any situation, any thought. The belief upgrade system is about not just situational thoughts, but the big kahuna identity thought. And it also involves state management because you cannot change. You cannot evolve your thinking when you are in a state of contraction and stress, right? So it's a multifaceted model, but it can happen in an instant. The belief upgrade system can change beliefs we've had for decades in an instant, Shift number four is to embrace strategic laziness. I love using the, using the word laziness because <laughs> it is the opposite of what people do. And so even when you inject a little bit of rest into a day, people feel lazy. I get it. I used to be a workaholic too. Mine started when I was, oh, first grade probably. So the fact is the math is consistent. We all, every day, have 24 hours in a day. And the research has shown that we all need 10 hours of rest. That's sleep between six to nine hours. And the rest of it, that make up the 10 hours of rest, is whatever looks like rest to you. For some people it's cooking, for some people it's reading, for some people it's going for a jog. The point is that you have to respect your physical needs. And if you don't manage your state, if you don't manage your physical needs, you're not going to be productive anyways. You're going to burn out. So let's talk about the difference between productivity and busyness. First, the United States of America, the corporate culture, is a culture of busyness where we don't take siestas. Um, we don't have four-day four work weeks Let's have the Europeans do that kind of stuff. They can have their six weeks of vacation minimum. So 
we already have the deck stack against us in America, but we still have to find a way to take care of our human needs. And a lot of this is because we have inherited this culture and we have this mindset that we have to be busy. And so it's contagious. We see somebody else overwork, so we overwork. Somebody else sends out 30 emails that have... Uh, 30 emails a minute. <laughs> and then that has a cascading effect. The more emails we have, the more unsustainable it is, the more everybody has to work. So yes, this is much easier to manage if you are a leader and you change the culture in your organization. But if you're not the leader, you still have to figure out a way to manage this. So you need to understand what your own tendency is. Why are you overworking? Is it because you think your boss is making you? Is it because you feel the need, you just are inherently um, somebody who likes workaholism? Um, has it just become a habit? Is it out of fear? And then how can you start taking baby steps and inserting these moments of rejuvenation into your day? It doesn't have to be big. You know, it can be going into your backyard and standing in the grass and looking up at the sun. But how do we build it in? And then how do we redefine what productivity looks like? Because productivity and busyness are opposites. Busyness does not guarantee that anything is produced. It's just motion. And there's a lot of motion going on without producing a high amount of value. Think of it like this. Like, let's say your car is making a funny noise and you're worried it's the brakes. So you know the brakes are serious. You got to finally take this in because if the brakes go, it's bad news. So you take the car in and this guy's really busy. He's got lots of clients and he's busy because he keeps their car for at least a week. You know, he's very meticulous. He wants to check everything out. That's how he defines uh, doing, you know, doing a good job. So your car is gone for a week. You know, but he's good value. He doesn't charge you a lot. Meanwhile, the guy next door, he's fast. That guy's productive. Man, he can assess a car so quickly that he gets your car back while you're waiting. You don't even have to like leave the car there. But he charges you three times as much. Well, he can do that because he's productive. He just gave you a huge amount of value. Now you have a car. You don't have to rent a car. So it all pays off. That's what we're looking for. So when the CEO comes and asks you for something, rather than get triggered in fear and think, oh my God, I have to prove myself, I have to prove myself. You combine all the things we've talked about so far. You manage your state. You take deep breath so you don't get freaked out. You leverage curiosity. You realize what your true strengths are. Um, you show up authentically as a real human being instead of a human worker who's trying to look good. And you get to the bottom of what's really needed. And then you identify what the minimum effective dose is. What is the least amount of effort my team and I need to do in order to get this to the CEO? This is exactly what my clients do. <laughs> One of my clients, she didn't have a lot of resources, new CEO, everybody's freaking out. He's asking for the magical unicorn. She realizes, well, we can't do that. We can't deliver that. So she sends me a picture. We delivered our uh, product and she sends me a picture of a horse in a party hat. She's like, yep, my team thought this is never going to go over well. 
And it was exactly what he wanted. He wanted a horse with a party hat. He didn't want a unicorn. The CEO is smart enough to know unicorns don't exist. Everybody else is trying to come up with a unicorn. And they just sound really stupid while they're making stuff up about their strategic plan, trying to impress the CEO. No. She was practical. She asked questions. She figured out what the goal really was, what was really important. And then her team took the freaking day off before the big presentation. Why? Because they could. They were productive. So that's the kind of person I want to work with. And that's the kind of person the CEO wants to work with. So you see how we're combining everything? We're combining the beliefs, curiosity, our strengths, our state management, and the final shift. The final shift is simply to invest in coaching. Because I don't care how smart you are. You're a human being. You have a brain that is going to hijack you. You have a brain that's going to sabotage you. I mean, you've been to classes before where you loved the class, you learned a lot, you were really motivated to do something different, and then you put the book on the shelf when you got to the office. And you went back to the way you were. I'm not judging. I did the same thing. That's what human beings do. Unless we have support, the right kind of support, we are not going to change because we have brains that are trying to keep us tethered to our current state. Your brain does not want you to change, even if it is in your best interest. Because change is danger. Danger is pain. So your brain would rather you stay status quo. So I, I know this, not just from personal experience, but I created an amazing product. I created an amazing online product. And I thought, oh, people can just listen to this and do the exercises wherever they want, whenever they want, because it's all online. And I did sell some of this product. Guess what percentage of people actually even opened the modules? It was less than 10%. Less than 10% even opened the modules. They bought it, but it's sitting in there on the proverbial shelf in their computer hard drive or out in the cloud. So we need to invest in coaching because we have stubborn brains and we have lots of neural pathways trying to keep us stu stuck. And when it comes to coaching, it's a little bit like doctors or therapists. Not all practitioners are equal. There are so many different types of coach and every coach has their own special way of doing things, has their own system. So you need to ask a lot of questions. So let's talk about therapy for a minute. There are lots of different kinds of therapists too. So let's say I have a fear of spiders, arachnophobia, and it's really getting in the way of my life. Okay, who do I want to go to? Do I want to go to a psychoanalyst? And of course, I don't know that much about therapy, so I'm generalizing here, okay? But do I want to go to a psychoanalyst who's going to help me understand where my fear of spiders comes from? and give me some talk therapy. So for months, I'm gonna talk about my mom and spiders and what they mean to me and the sim symbology of spiders. And then we'll start talking about other things in my life when really all I wanted was to not fear spiders. Or am I gonna to go to aversion therapy and in 20 minutes, I am petting a tarantula that I named Bob. I'm like knitting pants for Bob. I am not afraid of Bob anymore. I don't know if that actually happens, but there was a study that 
it's something crazy, like nine minutes or 20 minutes to get people to not be afraid of whatever the thing was they were afraid of, whether it's fear of flying or whatever. So in that case, because my goal is to not be afraid of spiders, uh, not to change my relationship with my mother or whatever it is, I'm going to go to the aversion therapist. So let's bring this back to coaching. And, you know, you may have some great coaches inside your company, but they may not have the system that you need. So my client, Mary, had a specific situation where she was sabotaging herself. Her stress was so high that she would literally cry in front of her boss. Now, crying is the body's, one of the body's natural ways of getting stress out. And it's very unfortunate, embarrassing for all of us when we cry in front of people at work, especially our boss. But it was uncontrollable for her because of the stress she was under. So she clearly needed to lower her stress and she needed to stop overworking and she needed to um, upgrade some beliefs. And she had been working with a coach for two years. And I think that they'd worked on some stress management stuff, but the point was this was evidently the not, not the right coach for her. This was not the right system for her. So find out what your coach's system is, what their expertise is, um, what are their outcomes? How do they change people forever? Or do they prefer to just be there as a support, um, to ask good questions, to help people get clear? You know, what is it? Because every coach is going to listen, ask good questions, create a safe space, help you get clear. But how does their system work and why does it? Think about diets for a second. There are a million diets out there. A lot of them will help you lose weight if you do it. But they're all very different. Somebody might have the uh, whole foods diet. Somebody might have the bacon only diet. Okay, bacon only diet may sound good for a while, but really it's probably not the best approach for you. Maybe for somebody else, but probably not for you. You might also want to ask how long does it take? What is your track record? So, you know, I know I know somebody who's been going to the same therapist for 14 years. If I was that therapist, I would fire this person. Like, why are you still coming to me after 14 years? But maybe that therapist likes having clients for 14 years. If I have you as a client for 14 years, I might think there's something uh, wrong with my coaching. I want you to feel an internal shift in your identity fast. Like, less than two weeks. Like ideally in the first meeting, I want you to feel this genuine shift in your identity. And then because it's new, meaning it has very few, maybe just one tiny little neural pathway. It's there, you believe it, but it's got this old belief system that's still so much stronger. So we're going we're gonna to spend the next few weeks embedding the new neural pathways and the new belief as a habitual pattern while you learn how to use the shifts. That's what you need a coach for. Help you quickly embed the new belief, give you proven systems to try in real life, on the job, at home, with your kids, and then come back and get the support. Ask questions, get the support. That's how I work. I want you to change quickly, and that's why I pick my clients very carefully, because I need clients who are coachable. Because if you're not willing to change, then you're just going to use me as a crutch and I'm not going to be able to help you change. You know, I don't want to be your coach for 14 years. I want to be your friend maybe for 14 years. That sounds fun, but not, not your coach. <laughs> um, so 
Just like you wouldn't have your family doctor do heart surgery on you, you need a specialist depending on what it is you're trying to fix. And here is a caveat. I alluded to this just now, but not everyone is willing to make these shifts because some of these are counterintuitive, like going from being the expert to curious feels scary for some people. Going from workaholism to taking a nap in the afternoon feels frankly surreal and terrifying to some people. They are simply not ready to change. And for me, that's okay. That just tells me they have not suffered long enough. They are not at their tipping point. That's okay. So I talk with women every week and some are a good fit and um, they're a good fit for what I love to do, which is take people from self-sabotage and self-doubt to true badass confidence gravitas so they can get the careers, the promotions, the pay raises they want. And at the end of these conversations, I often feel like Morpheus, <laughs> maybe not as cool as Morpheus in, um, in the Matrix, but in the sense that I'm presenting people with a choice. Now, not, it, not everybody is a fit for what I do. A lot of people um, I might refer to, you know, a resume writer or a career, uh, career coach. Somebody's going to help them, you know, find a new field to go into. Um, on rare occasions, somebody might need a therapist. But if they are a fit for what I do, I'll present them with a choice. Like you could go down the path you're going in self-sabotage hell, or you can make some changes and become truly confident and get what you want. So it's kind of like, do you want to take the blue pill or do you want to take the red pill? In the blue pill, you stay the same. You go back to life as it is. You get more degrees. You take more classes. You spend more money. You spend more time trying to feel like you're good enough. For example, last week, I talked to a woman who got passed over for a promotion. She's in a medical field, and she got passed over by her subordinate, who doesn't even have the qualifications. So it was clear in a conversation that she had made enemies with her boss, and her communication style was really working against her. But she decided against coaching until she's done with a master's degree, and that's going to take her four to six years. And she's in her 40s. She was not yet ready to take the red pill of reality that says this is not going to work out well. Getting her master's degree was not going to change her communication style and it was not going to get her a promotion. It was just going to get her hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt because people make decisions emotionally, not logically. And logically, it may make really good sense that you have this badass master's degree. But if you're still a jerk at work, you're not going to get that promotion, especially when they've given you evidence to say that qualifications aren't what's getting people promoted at that place. So in the red pill, you get to wake up from this illusion that external things are going to make you promotable, are going to make you happy, are going to make you healthy. And you're going to learn that just Working hard and doing what you are told is not going to get you rewarded. Not necessarily. It might, but you all know, you know, you can just look around in your company. Just today, I talked to a woman who was doing the interim vice president role after the vice president left. She was doing it for six months, kicking ass, 
working 14-hour days. I'm not kidding. She got passed over for a promotion by somebody outside the department. So she woke up. (laughs) She took the red pill and realized, you know, the way I've been working isn't working. And she stepped into a new reality where she now knows she is in control of her happiness. She can't wait around for a promotion. And oh, by the way, maybe that was a sign. Maybe that was a sign that she needs to shake things up and uh, go somewhere where she'll be truly appreciated, where she can teach them from the beginning how she wants to be treated and who she is. So when you take this option, you start to be happy and powerful now regardless of your title, regardless of your pay, and you get really clear about what you want, and you start to draw what you want closer and closer to you. So your desired future is accelerating closer and closer while you are feeling joyful in the present. So who does this work for? Well, honestly, not for everybody. You have to be good at what you do already because a coach can't teach you how to be good at what you do. And you don't have to be an expert at what you do. You just have to be good at producing value for your stakeholders. And when it comes to working with me, if you choose to work with me, um, it helps if you can have fun. I like to have fun. I like to laugh. We can talk about really dark stuff, but have a lightness about it. I had a woman who decided in week three of working with me, and this was not something she signed on to work to do, but she decided it was finally time to end her marriage that had been dead in all respects except legally for years. And when she upgraded her belief and got this belief that was rocket fuel for her, that motivated her, that made her completely free of fear, and that put her in a state of bliss, who would have thought that thinking about a divorce negotiation could put you in a state of bliss? But she found the belief that would do it with my help. And she literally made t-shirts out of it. And I made a logo. So you don't have to make a logo. But if you like to have fun and you're big hearted and you want a community of support from other badass women who don't really feel like they're a badass, but you'll look at them and go, what? You don't have self you don't have self-confidence. How can that even be? You're not a senior vice president. How can that even be? So that's the kind of community I like to build. And I don't like saying goodbye. So my uh My program is a lifetime program, even though it's a sprint in the beginning to get you those new beliefs, to get you that new state, um, to get you those new habits. But then you have a community forever and you have the system forever. So if you want to learn more about these five shifts, you can watch the masterclass I created um, and then you'll have a visual of what I'm talking about. And um, it's on my website, work-lifebrilliance.com. So go there just on the homepage. There's a button. It'll take you to that page about this um, program. And if you want to talk with me, if you're a female professional who's good at what you do, is tired of getting passed over, is tired of working harder for no benefit, um, and you just want to feel better, you want to feel better, do better, achieve more, and have fun doing it, well, maybe we should talk. So um, I'll tell you how you can go to this link where you can book a call with me. And I I set aside a few spaces every week to have these wonderful conversations with people. So if you want to do that, you can go to this link. It's 
oncehub, that's O-N-C-E-H-U-B.com. Go.oncehub.com forward slash power your success. So go.oncehub.com forward slash power your success. No dashes, just power your success. All right, so I'm just going to end with this reminder that you were born enough. You have always been enough. Your brain is just trying to keep you safe and small. And one of the best ways of doing that is to tell you that you're not enough. So you keep striving, you keep playing it safe, you keep being overly nice, working hard. That's what your brain thinks is the way to do it. The other truth is there is a giant version of you inside of you and she is ready to come out and play. So please go do something nice for yourself and thanks for listening. Thanks for being here with me today and um, I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Work Life Brilliance. If you want to be coached by Denise, join her in the Work Life Brilliance Academy where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.